I want to thank you for uh, your prayers whilst I was gone and um, God did some unique things especially in the way that he is able to knit things together uh, bring about something that has continuity that flows and I'm not just speaking about messages but circumstances and bringing together of people that was not pre-planned and uh, God just did some really neat stuff for which I, I thank him and I appreciate your supporting prayers. This morning we're going to continue or complete the message that I preached the end of March and uh, then I went away to be in the sun for a month whilst you guys suffered over here in uh, the great, great weather at the Northern Hemisphere. But uh, I'm, I'm just so struck by the fact that when we are apart, uh, even if we don't know one another, the body of Christ scattered all over this planet, uh, God is busy pulling things together. This is my personal conviction, is that we're on the threshold of God doing something very, very different. I, I hope you are all pioneers at heart. I, I really trust that you are willing to step into unknown territory, to break new territory, because God is going to do something new. Even now, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God is about to, to come in amongst his people with, with a demonstration of his kingdom, the reality of that kingdom. That he, he's not confined to a box. He's not hemmed in by even people's traditional expectations. Uh, God wants to break through those limiting barriers and he wants to do something that is going to declare his kingdom and the, declare the reality of a living God. Uh, I, I have no idea what, what profile to sketch for you. I, I, I have no idea, but I know that there's a new sound coming. And, and God, is, God is in the midst of that. He's saying to his church, arise and shine for your light has come. You see, the, the arising is our responsibility. God's not going to yank us up by our collars. Uh, it, it's, it's incumbent upon us to arise. And when we arise we arise into the orb of his light that is already shining. Woo, I'm excited about that. It's, it's, gonna be, it's going to be wonderful when, when that breaks loose. And uh, so, guys, uh, pray for a pioneer's heart. 
Be prepared to shed comfort zones. Be prepared to think outside of traditional expectations. Because he's God, and he's God all by himself. And he's going to do something in his church. Uh, I started off by saying that uh, I was going to finish the, the sermon that I ran out of time on uh, a month ago, which was Jesus in the Scriptures. And uh, I'm going to give you a brief summary of, of what we covered, just so that we can pull our thoughts together, and then we'll move on to look at how Jesus shines in all of Scripture. Um, I believe I did mention that we don't have to convince anybody that Jesus is in the New Testament because he's everywhere in the New Testament. He's mentioned, he's, he's, he's explained, he's uh, described as being the son of the living God who paid for our redemption. It's all there in the New Testament. So I, I will take most time, most, most of my time here to explain how he can be seen in the Old Testament. Um, there's there's a, a way of thinking that, that I've come across that people think, well, just forget the Old Testament. It's all Old Covenant anyway. We're more interested in the New Covenant. Uh, well, we are. Um, and it's got much, it, you know, it has better promises than the Old Testament has. The old covenant has, but I, I, I want to just say, please don't uh, put an elastic band around the pages of the Old Testament so that you're not bothered by it accidentally opening up to it. You just want to stick in the New Testament. Uh, there is great, great value to be found in studying all of Scripture, and uh, so. Thank God for, for what we have in, in the New Covenant. I mean, it explains everything, makes it clear, and uh, it's something that we can grab onto, embed in our hearts, and live in. Uh, but there's also great value to follow Jesus, discover him in the Old Testament. Uh, I, I can't help but think of our lives as being pages that are being flipped over every day, every week, month, and year, and we move from chapter to chapter to chapter. Uh, I, I, as much as we find Jesus in the pages of Scripture, I pray that we'll find Jesus in the pages of our lives. Uh, we will be a letter read by many. That, that the reality of Jesus will just come to the fore in, in how we live. Uh, when we speak, it'll be obvious. When we plan, it'll be obvious. How we argue and reason, uh, uh, how, we, how we, our whole lives unfold will, will reveal Jesus on every page. The Bible is one book with one message of salvation. Presented differently in the Old Covenant as opposed to the New. 
But from Genesis right through to Revelation, the main purpose of the Scriptures is simply this. It shows us how God reconciles mankind to himself through his Son, Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, uh, it makes it very, very clear that there is only one salvation through one man, and it's the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The Scriptures are far more than mere historical detail. They, they are far more than doctrinal uh, issues. They are far more than eschatological uh, details. Uh, they are that, thank God, but they are far more than that. They, they have at the heart, at the core, they have the presentation of Jesus Christ being our Savior and our Redeemer. The entire Bible uh, is wrapped up and embraced by Jesus. It's, it, it's there. You may remember our very brief summation of the Scriptures that the Old Testament uh, is, is, a, is a compilation of books at again and again and again, say to us, there's someone coming. He's called the Messiah. And then when we get into the, the Gospels, it's, it's a loud proclamation. He's come. He's here. And then as we move into the, the book of Acts, it's, it's an action-packed book of the Holy Spirit telling us that this Jesus, who is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, uh, this is what, what, what he, who he is, what he does, and it proclaims Christ to us. And we move into the epistles, the letters of the apostles, and uh, it, 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 it explains him in such a beautiful, full way that there's no way we can misunderstand who this Jesus is and what he does. And then, of course, when you get to the book of Revelation, it does say to us, he who was proclaimed to be coming did come and is coming back again. And uh, I, 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 don't, I don't claim to fully understand the book of Revelation, but uh, I, I do know one thing for certain. It shows me a victorious Christ coming back. And the day is going to come when he's going to rule and he's going to reign we're going to look at an, an exciting Old Testament scripture that says that in, in, in very, very clear language. He's coming again. The Bible is about Jesus. Uh, remember, we said he's like the bookends. He, he's in the very first uh, verse of the Bible and he's in the very last verse of the Bible. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God. And, and he created the heavens and the earth. And we go to scriptures like John chapter 1 verse 3 and Colossians 1, I believe, verse 3. It makes it very, very clear that Jesus, the Son, was the agent in creation. All things, the Bible says, were created by him and for him. So, so he, he bookends everything. The very last verse speaks about the grace of no one else but Jesus. 
So the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And so we, we see Jesus forming the bookends of, of the scriptures. It is indeed a hymn book. And so we rejoice in, in the knowledge that he's in every page as we move through scriptures. He's not in every verse, every chapter as such, but he certainly is the voice in all of scripture. Our text was Luke 24, verses 13 to 27. It's a story about the Emmaus walkers, but I'm going to focus in on on, uh, just two verses in particular, verses 25 and 27. Now, Jesus is talking to these guys who are despondent. uh, They're very, very sad. uh, Their expectations were that uh, he he would establish some form of of kingdom here on earth, but now he was gone. He'd been crucified, he'd been buried, and uh, they hadn't woken up to the fact yet that he was risen. But they're on their way home. It's about a seven-mile journey, the Bible says, and uh, at whatever point Jesus uh, hooks up with them, and he, he... listens to their story. They say, we had an expectation. It never happened. Uh, And he says this to them. O foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses who wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets. That would be the rest of the New Testament canon. Uh, It is commonly accepted that the Psalms and and all of that fall into prophetic uh, spectrum. And, and, And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, listen what he did. Now, he's talking about the Old Testament here. He explains to them the things concerning himself. All that Moses wrote, all the historical writings, the wisdom writings, the prophetic writings of both minor and major prophets, all of them contain teaching concerning Jesus. If you look carefully at that verse, you'll see it uses the word all, concerning himself in all the scriptures. What Jesus has to say, what he points, clearly he couldn't cover every point that there was about him in the Old Testament. He he hit the mountain peaks, he hit the, the main points, But what he has to say to them from all of Scripture concerning himself has a powerful impact upon them. Their whole mood changes. Their their whole uh, vision of how things are going to be on into the future changes. They are filled with hope. They are filled with a new purpose and determination to press into the things of God. In fact... They put it like this themselves. They say, 
Didn't our hearts burn within us? They're speaking about the impact of the Holy Spirit through word. Like, like when, when you might be reading something or, or you're listening to a teaching in a sermon uh, or, or a song, there, there's something that you're well acquainted with, but suddenly in that moment the Holy Spirit breathes upon it and it becomes life to you. It's called the rhema word. They receive the rhema word from Jesus. And they say, did not our hearts burn within us? Now what Jesus was pointing out here is that he himself acknowledged that he could be found in the pages of Scripture. That he himself was the central theme of all of the Bible. Well, for them it was the Old Testament. And, and so Jesus here uses the, the word, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant writings to bring alive in them an understanding of, of himself, Jesus, the Son of the living God. We took time the last time to uh, look at some of the types of of. Jesus, the foreshadowings of Jesus that we found in uh, some of the verses in the Old Testament. We, we took an overnight flight over the uh, animal sacrifices, how some of them pointed to the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would make. Uh, we had a look at the, the fact that some of those sacrifices were acceptable, some of them were not acceptable. We touched on the, the Passover lamb that had to be slain and how that the blood of the Passover the lamb had to be applied to, to the, the dwellings of the, of the Hebrews and how applicable that is for us as we look at the blood of our, our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, and how much his blood needs to be applied to the lives of individuals so that they may escape the ultimate separation, which is death from God. Which is death, separation from God. We looked at the Day of Atonement, how significant that was. That it, it symbolized uh, Jesus who would become the sacrifice for the people. We looked at the, the, the um, scapegoat, that, that had to have the sin symbolically laid upon the scapegoat's head and then sent off into the wilderness. And how that spoke to us of, of Jesus who would one day go on the cross and all of the sins of mankind would be put upon him. And he would suffer that day. He would go into a wilderness uh, that separation from his father. And his words were, My father, my father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Such rich typology and, and symbol, symbolization of, of the works of Jesus to be found in some of those Old Testament scriptures. The serpent, the bronze serpent, uh, 
on on the on on the stake in the desert after the nation had been bitten by vipers and those who looked at the the uh, the uh, bronze snake on that pole would live they wouldn't die uh, the the bronze serpent symbolizing the judgment of sin on the cross uh, and 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 Jesus who had become sin for all was offering redemption and freedom from spiritual death. We looked at the Psalms. We looked at his sufferings. Uh, it talked about the fact that he'd be betrayed by a friend, that uh, the price of his betrayal would be 30 pieces of silver. Uh, it spoke about the fact that his garments would be divided. Uh, it mentioned the fact that that his bones would be revealed from the suffering that he'd gone through. Uh, so many, uh, I, I, I don't have the statistic, I wish I did have, but it's staggering to, to look at the incidences of where Old Testament scripture pointed to Jesus, prophetically pointed to him. We looked at those passages from Isaiah, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, 50, 53, 54. They call these suffering servant passages. And they all point to Jesus, every single one of them. You'll have to get hold of the tape or listen to it on, on online. We don't have tapes anymore. What am I talking about? <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, yeah, you listen to it online. And uh, you'll, you'll pick up on so many more points that were made that morning. morning. Time simply does not permit us to walk through all these Old Testament scriptures with an explanation and interpretation of each. I want to move on. I want to point out how that whatever the Old Testament scriptures had to say, especially about his suffering, it didn't end there. Thank God it didn't end there. It went on to say far more about the Christ. It, it unfolds for us that not only did he suffer, but that he actually entered into his glory. In verse 26 of Luke 24, you remember we read it, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. I don't know why it is, but so often we get stuck on the suffering. What Jesus endured pre and on the cross, uh, and we forget the f you know that that that's not where the story stops. The story goes on to reveal something far more glorious, greater for for uh, our benefit. That, that it's ours, it's an inheritance that we have. We move into it. 
that he entered into his glory. The suffering he went to was simply the means by which he entered into his glory. Following his rejection, it shows us a glorious panoramic view of his reign. Following his death, it unfolds for us a picture that he's the Christ with a diadem, with a throne, with a king, uh, the kingdom. In Isaiah 53, verses 10 to 12, uh, it so clearly speaks of the necessity that he would enter into his glory after his suffering. I want to read it to you. And, and, and please, just open your heart to hear the words of Scripture here. And be ready to respond to it. Because it's, it's an amazing statement. Isaiah fifty three ten to 12. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. To crush Jesus. He has put Jesus to, to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in Jesus' hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, now it's talking about his suffering. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, Jesus, make many to be accounted righteous. Many. And beyond these walls, and beyond the borders of this nation, and beyond the continents, right across this globe, past, present, and until Jesus comes, the future. Many. To be made righteous. Hallelujah. And he shall bear their iniquities. Another hallelujah. Hallelujah. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death. And was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many. And makes intercession. For the transgressors. I was a transgressor. Do you know that? I wasn't always as holy as I am now. (laughs) No, seriously, I was a transgressor. I was a horrible transgressor. But Jesus was praying for me. He was making intercession for me. And because of his suffering and entering into his glory... He apprehended me in my life's journey and, and, and he is dragging me with him willingly into his glory. I, I, I challenge you, go home and read that scripture, meditate on it. The sufferings of Jesus, as awful as they were, led him into his glory. And what benefactor I am of that thank you Lord 
Isaiah made the statement that he will see his offspring. Now that, that strikes me as, as, as strange. A man is going to be put to death, but he will see his offspring. What, what's that driving at? It's simply saying that there are great numbers among the Jews, that there are multitudes in the Gentile world of all ages, ages who are going to become the offspring, the sons, the daughters of the living God. It says in the, in the next sentence that he, referring to God the Father, will prolong Jesus' days. That that little interlude after the cross, where they put him in a tomb for three days, that, that was just temporary. It was necessary. Because his days would be prolonged, did not end in the tomb. He came out of that tomb. He lives today, and he will live forevermore. Oh, what a glorious gospel from the Old Testament. The good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And as a result of the anguish, the suffering of his soul, he will see it all and be satisfied. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now with a massive smile on his face. He is so satisfied with a work of redemption. Daniel 7, verse 14, another Old Testament scripture that excites me greatly. It speaks of Jesus entering into his glory, and uh, it describes how, as he approaches the Ancient of Days, Uh, This is what it says. To him, to Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and, hear this, will not pass away. Another hallelujah. Much to, to, to embrace and to thank God for as, as Jesus is revealed to us through the pages of Scripture. It's a vital message of the Old Testament. I need to cut it short. We move on as we consider this, this wonderful matter of Jesus being found in all the pages of scripture the lord jesus christ the messiah has come and it tells us that he has brought salvation to his people the apostles preached jesus from the old testament did they they didn't have the new testament they preached jesus from the old testament Let me give you some examples. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, stands up uh, 
and bring some understanding to what has just happened to the 120 who were there in the upper room. And he preaches from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. And when he's finished preaching, thousands are saved. From the Old Testament. How is that possible? Because Jesus was in it. In all of Scripture. He goes into an exposition. He says, Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with many signs and wonders, that you put to death, God has raised him from the dead. And then he goes to Psalm 16, verses 8 to 11, and he, he refers to Jesus' resurrection. He then goes to Psalm 132 and verse 11, and he, he, he tells them that as much as they, they respect and, and honor the throne of David and the successors, especially Solomon, he tells them that one greater than Solomon would one day sit on David's throne. He then circles back to Psalm 16, and he makes his glorious declaration that because he lives, Jesus lives, we too shall live. He makes this, 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 this statement. He says, my flesh shall also rest in hope. Hope of the resurrection. Hope of the future. And he then comes back to Psalm 110, verse 1. He said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit on my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for you. That, folks, is a process that is happening right now. Right now. God's enemies uh, should, should just drop their, their haughtiness, their arrogance, and realize that unless they repent, they're going to become the footstool of the Lord. The entire sermon on the day of Pentecost proclaimed the gospel of the New Testament, the person and work of Christ. Let me give you another example. If we, if we had the time to go through Acts chapter 3, it is a great sermon uh, that Peter preached after he healed the lame man. It's an exposition of Christ in the Old Testament. Check it out for yourself. And what about Stephen in Acts chapter 7? He's before the Sanhedrin. He's going to be stoned. And what he does is paint this glorious picture of Jesus Christ from the Old Testament. Really annoyed his hearers. And, and what about Acts chapter 8? Remember the Ethiopian treasurer to the queen of, of, of Ethiopia? He's on his way back after attending the feast in Jerusalem and and. The Holy Spirit directs Philip to go and join himself to the Ethiopian uh, in his chariot, which he does. The Ethiopian is, is reading from Isaiah 53. Philip says to him, what are you reading? And he says, I, uh, I don't really understand what I'm reading. 
I need someone to explain it to me. And Philip takes Isaiah 53 and he explains Jesus from that portion of Scripture using the Old Testament. And then we come to Paul. And Paul, throughout his missionary journeys, when he's in Macedonia, when he's in in, uh, Galatia, and he is preaching in the major cities of that time, what does he do? He's pointing to Jesus from the Old Testament Scriptures. In Acts chapter 17, you'll see that he arrives in Thessalonica, goes into the synagogue and explains Jesus Christ. Remarkable results. So you see what Jesus was doing on the road to Emmaus when he talked to these downhearted guys. He's saying, fellows, take heart. I'm there in all of it. I can be found in all of it. He's there in prophecy. He's there in type. He's there in Christophanies. He's there in foreshadowing. He's there in so many different ways. So as I close, let me ask this question. What is God's desired result for you and for me as we look at the pages of the Old Testament? Look again at Luke 24, 31. It says, and their eyes were now opened, and they recognized him. Verse 32, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures from the Old Testament to us? You want a heart that's on fire for Jesus? Do you want to be able to say my heart is burning for God and burning for the Lord Jesus Christ? Then I would encourage you, read the Old Testament and let Jesus show you himself in the Old Testament. Read the New Testament and see the greater light of the New Testament shining on the Old. But what is important? is that you see Jesus in it. It's important to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing in the Bible is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ on a mission of salvation. A mission to redeem Mankind to save people from their sins. That is the message of the Old Testament. That is the message of the New Testament. That is the message of the entire Bible. Jesus walking in all of its pages, revealing himself as the only one through whom you and I can experience redemption.
how many pages of our lives, in how many pages of our lives can he be found? What about the business pages of our lives? What about in the pages of our relationship with our spouses? What about the pages that speak about how we are in the office? What about the pages of our behavior on the road? I, I, I could give you a long list of pages and I'm just wondering can Jesus be found in every single one of them? I want to have Jesus be more easily seen in my life than they can see poor ass. That's a big one. But I want him to be preeminent. And I know you want him to be preeminent. So let's stand. <clears throat> I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray that Jesus will walk mightily among us here now. That this page in the history book of the life of the apex, this page will have Jesus prominently displayed. If I could just insert this, I, I had an, an amazing meeting with a bunch of really hard cases while I was away. And I, I, I shared along these lines Jesus to be seen in every part of your life. And probably the biggest guy with the wildest beard and the most, and I'm not knocking tattoos, but the most tattoos on him asked if he could say something. And I very apprehensively said, yeah, okay. And he started talking about how he and his family had made a decision just, just a few months, two months ago, that they were going to follow God. They were, they were facing a massive challenge in the immediate future, in fact, from tomorrow onwards. And he said, but the story of Jesus walking to his disciples on the water, and people, uh, Peter responding to his invitation to come, walked on water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. And he turned round and pulled up his T-shirt, and this broad back was covered in a tattoo depicting Jesus walking on the water towards his boat. I want Jesus to be walking towards us in every challenge that we face. I want Jesus, when it's all over, to be a glorious testimony of how he walked in the pages of our lives throughout those experiences. So I'm going to pray. 
And he knows, and you personally know, just how many pages he fills in your life. I'm going to pray that he will fill every single one of them. So can we pray? Father, as these precious folk just lift their hearts to you, as they stand before you, stripped of every facade, stripped of everything that makes us presentable to others, we can't hide from you and your penetrating gaze anyway. So I just pray that we'll be open and honest with you now. And Lord, as there rises from their hearts this prayer, Jesus, please come walk on every page of my life. I pray you will put a seal on their lives now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Do your unique work. Do your unique work, Lord. Now, folks, it's you and him. Just, just ignore me, ignore any, everyone else around you. It's you and him now. Holy Spirit, come and put a seal on their lives. Begin to write a brand new story on every page. Regardless of how we've been with you in the past, begin to write a new story, please. A brand new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? We will be so careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, because of what you alone are able to write with our cooperation. Come write that new story. I get to just reach sideways and put your hand on somebody's shoulder or if you're well acquainted, hold hands. Um, because we write a story together, folks. Especially in... in there's, there's this new little introductory booklet to the apex. But we're writing a very... Look, that, that booklet's great, but it's going to pass away sometime. It's only... You and I, as we, we join hands and we allow the Spirit of God to write on the pages of what is called the family known as the apex. It's as he writes, Oh, Lord Jesus, let it be a grand story. Write with the indelible ink of the shed blood of Christ. A story that will inspire, that will give hope, that will bring to salvation, that will do so many things that your kingdom is all about. May it advance forcefully in our midst as you write upon its pages. Come and be part of it, 
Jesus at the center of it all. We ask it in your precious name alone. Amen. Amen. Amen.